Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are ready to punch Canada in the face. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Gene and Dave. I am ready to punch Canada in the face. I don't know what that's an allusion to. Um, but, you know, anytime there's a good USA-Canada matchup, um, I'm all for right on. the men and women in the red, white, and blue. Go to hell, you Canucks. This is Chuck Siders. <laughs> you can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And this is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And I assume that you mean we want to punch the Canadians like Drake and the rest of that lousy, stinking Raptors fan base up north. Um, I didn't see him make the trip down here. So, Drake, you're not a real fan. No, no, no. We cleaned up against Canada this week. Going back to the uh, going back to the Canadiens game on Saturday, we, we we what did we we beat Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa for the Flyers, and the Sixers took care of business against Toronto today. Damn straight, Dave. Thank you for putting that connection together for me. Um, yeah, but yeah, and and some Flyers did punch some Canadian players in the face, or they at least tried to. Oh yes, yes we did this week. We'll get to that. But the big game today was the Sixers-Raptors. I've been waiting all week for this one. I know you have. I know you've been Well, I know you've been concerned about how Embiid is going to look. How are we going to match up with the Raptors? Like, I, I just imagined this was your, you know, Sixers death scenario of we are the best team in the East. We are better than every team out West, except we're at to go go against Toronto at some point and we're going to choke it away. Yeah, I, I was I'm, I was very afraid of a Sixers mental block against Toronto and with particular uh, focus on Joel Embiid based on the, the last game that we played in Toronto. But uh, I got to say, uh, the Sixers put that to bed and particularly uh, one Benjamin Simmons uh, put that to bed for me. Um, because I so Embiid lays an absolute egg last time we play uh, Toronto, and today we we for, you know uh, for eighty five percent of the game whipped them. Um, so I I am no longer uh, afraid of Toronto, and I do believe in a seven game series we can take them. I, I feel like we're deeper um, and we have a lot more weapons uh, than they do. Did you feel like this was what you would call like an A game for the Sixers? Did you think this was you saw their A game? Yeah, I, I would. This is uh, this is you know one of the, you could put in the column of marquee wins, not just because you won the game, but it, the game was not in question from the second quarter on. It's funny. I, I thought a lot about your philosophy about pulling the goalie as I was watching the fourth quarter of the game today, <laughs> and. Follow me if you can. Uh, the the only time that Toronto looked truly uh, dominant in the entire game was when they were putting on basically the the full court press, and it made me wonder if if you could have if you could be this effective uh, defensively and and turn the ball the Sixers over so much, why didn't they press at other points in the game? And is there a reason why in in, in basketball we don't see um, more? 
hot, like high pressure situations either at the end of quarters or or to start the game uh, you know you start the game in a full court press to try to get a jump and early lead I don't know you, you don't see it you see NBA teams come out and go into their kind of half court offenses and kind of feel each other out is it too much energy to expel at the beginning of a game I, I, I don't have an answer I think it is to do it for an entire game would be sort of difficult, I would think. Uh, but I I see your point. It, it could be effective playing that way in different spurts during the game because you could. T- so the Sixers, they have guys that have trouble in those situations, particularly Joel Embiid. Um, he just makes really bad decisions and is really turnover prone, which is why Brett basically had to bench him uh, towards the end of the game because he was just coughing it up and, and making poor decisions just all too often. And then right. uh, it, it kind of had to do the same thing with Matisse. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this was one of those, those games where you kind of see the, the rookie uh, in, in Matisse. He also made that really kind of dumb uh, backcourt um pass where clearly yeah. he was two feet backcourt and Joel had to kind of swat the ball forward. Yeah, even Embiid knew that was a mistake. Well, and it was, I mean, and he kind of looked at the referee and it was like, bro, like backcourt is backcourt like an eighth grade, man. Like, <laughs> like it's, there's nothing really to question here. Um, But yeah, they were like, and then he was also one of those ones and they made a big point in when they were talking about, and I know we're kind of working backwards in this game, but they were making a big point in the broadcast of saying when you're, when you get the ball and you kind of like, no, you're going to draw the double team. Putting it on the floor and trying to drub, dribble your way out, uh, it's not going to work against NBA defenders. You, you, if you're being doubled, somebody's open. Before you put the ball on the floor, you should really try and figure out where the the open pass is. And you know, so they were kind of calling out Matisse on some. And these are the sorts of things that I believe you can really work on like that's the stuff you can kind of practice you can practice and get better at being an inbound player in in those situations Uh, what Matisse brings to the team right from his draft class is uh, you can't necessarily coach defensive instincts the way that he does and to see him also add five three-pointers I think he had five today um, to see him add that kind of offense when you knew that Toronto was going to kind of like fall back into some of these these zone defenses and you were going to have to shoot over them. Uh, it was really nice to see that you had uh, Mike Scott coming off the game yesterday, a hot putting up threes again, having his confidence back, Batiste throw uh, shooting cork show shooting. Um, so I, I was really impressed with how their offense was prepared in this game to attack what Toronto was going to show them. Yeah. Let's hang out and talk about uh, Matisse Thibel for a little bit, because this is, you know, we don't give, Philadelphia general managers really enough credit when they do find these guys, you know, not, not, not as a top five pick, but when you have a, either a later round pick or deeper in the first, well, you know, basketball, it's kind of like, once you get past the first round, it's like, forget about it. So like deeper into the first round uh, to find a guy that's really useful uh, that can play right away. We really haven't seen that in Philadelphia. Um, I don't even know when's the last time we had a first round pick play and be effective. I mean, it was before it was, it was MCW really. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you know, we, we, over the course of the process, we've had just by the necessity of having to field a team uh, or, or or put a team on the court. We've, we've had some deeper draft picks log a lot of minutes. Um, Yeah, sure. But we haven't necessarily seen a guy who was able to step in in a competitive to a competitive team to a team that's got uh, 
aspirations to go deep into the playoffs come in and not only be effective, but kind of carve out a role for himself. And uh, they were talking a little bit about how he, he, going back to that game, he was benched. I think he was benched on the on the road trip. Was it against Utah? It was one of those games on that West Coast swing where he, he was benched for an entire game. Maybe it was Phoenix. And then has, you know, sometimes there have been players that would have had that sort of a setback. Um, and I'd like to think that something with uh, Brett Brown's coaching has kind of been like, hey, man, we're going to sit you here. You know, don't don't lose focus. You know, you 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 kind of wonder what a guy like um, Timotei uh, Lawawu Cabarro. Some of those other guys may have had that happen and not bounce back. And MC uh, MCW and uh, Matisse Thibel has uh, you know already topped his uh, his rookie scoring record twice. And you know, if he becomes a guy that's uh, a pretty easy. 13 with you know two steals a game and five rebounds and 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 all of the things he does on defense that's a guy that can be your sixth man for five years well Allah really brought it out in the broadcast when he said you know he's he's playing with professional players you know it's not just like a young team where you know if, if this was the Sixers five years ago and he was drafted would he be the same kind of player that he is now probably not and I, I think he could grow to an elite three and D type player. I mean, everyone's looking for three and D guys. So if he can, if he can shoot, you know, high 30% uh, from three, I mean, wow, what a weapon. And he's already showing that he has that kind of um, that ugly shot thing that, um, you know, he's got a good form. I mean, no when less, he steps but... into him, I, I have confidence. Yeah. But he also has that ability. And you could see that one, I think it was at the end of the first quarter, maybe the end of the second quarter where he was kind of falling oh, yeah. away from the basket and kind of an he ugly shot and, and still hits them. And that was one of those things that uh, you, you liked seeing a guy that can still have those sort of instincts to get the shot up in the, in the right location and, and, and have some of those fall. Yeah, he played great. He played great, but I, I think, and I think the last two games, so, you know, just to the the night before, uh, we just absolutely dismantled uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I really in... do think that the story of this week, those two games, you you can't you can't talk about one without talking about the other because I feel like they really set themselves up for the game today, the way they played, and the way that Brett Brown logged people's minutes in the game on Saturday night. Well, I. I... I feel like after the and we'll go back one even even one more game and talk about the Wizards. I feel like after the loss to the Wizards, which was just brutally ugly, and I don't really even want to dwell on it. But after that game, um, Ben Simmons basically said enough of this, and I feel like he's like a different player now. I, I don't know that I've seen him just come out and take over a game the way he took over the first quarter of the Cleveland game. He basically, in every possession look to slash and hit the hit the rim and if he if he if he couldn't he was looking to make some sort of a spectacular half court alley oop um they really look like they were running against a division 3 team uh and and Cleveland is a team that yeah they're bad like they are bad but they had taken this the Sixers beat them last i think in Cleveland by one point so this is a team that very recently had well, they given beat us they beat us at home. Or they beat us. Or no, well, not I home, think when we were there, they beat us. Yeah, so I mean, this is a team that, you know, we haven't, it's not like we own them. 
Um, either way, either we won or lost, it was close. We might have lost by one point in that game in Cleveland, now that I think about it. I thought I thought we had kind of pulled it out at the end. I, I didn't look it up. But anyway, the, the, the moral of the story was he came out like a man possessed and was going to, if he could beat them by himself, he would have. Uh, and he, he kind of did. I, I think he put – did he have – Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. We beat him by one at home. Did did did, um did he have 15 points or or 18 points in the in the first quarter? It was something insane. He was he literally I think scored the first eight of ten for the Sixers in the first quarter, and we were up double digits before they even scored. They were shooting something pitiful, I think, in the first half, like 23 percent from the field. It was they were they were literally suffocated. Um. and that Cleveland game is like your definition of a trap game. You have Toronto the very next day. You know, you're playing a bad team. Mm-hmm. And I, I sent it to you guys on the chat. When I tuned into the game, I want to say it was like third quarter. I thought I thought they had the score wrong. We were up by like 40. And we, <laughs> we ended up winning by like, what, like four points shy of 50? Yeah, yeah I think it was franchise records for both. Philadelphia and Cleveland for halftime leads and deficits. Yeah. yeah. I, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, all right, let's throw in the Sixers game, see what's happening. But that was a knock. That's been a knock against the Sixers all the season is they haven't, like, thrashed anyone. Right. Mm. Outside of the opening game against the Celtics, you never felt a game was in hand going into the, you know, later stages of the fourth quarter. And now you've had – last night's game and you had today's game with the Raptors, which thank God you had such a huge lead because of all the shenanigans that happened towards the end of the game. Right. And it's what great teams do. You know, we were joking about it. I think like week two of the football season, maybe week three, whenever Cleveland, not Cleveland, whenever um, uh, New England was going up against Miami and they're like, what are they going to be put? You know, where are they going to be giving up four touchdowns? And, do you still take it? You know, great teams beat up on the bad teams. They don't, you know, play down to their competition, or they're so good that even if they play down, they still kick their ass. Hell so yeah. I, was, I was really pleased to see, you know, the Sixers just demolish them, embarrass them. Um, yeah. So this week, I have a uh, my brain is starting to shift. And I feel like it is less Joel Embiid's team and more Ben Simmons' team. Yeah. Does, has Batman and Robin sort of switched? And I don't really know what's going on with Joel because clearly he kind of became the the brand of the team, if that makes any sense. He was the right. the, the face of the team. He was the the out in front guy of the team. Um, and he just he just looks like he's just not doesn't have the same energy or same intensity uh, that he's had in different points of the season, uh, you know, Jesus God. Well, like, well, what is it now? Is it like, uh, he's the conditioning. Uh, he's got the shits. Uh, (laughs) he's got a cold. Like what, what is it? It's like, he's the most like fragile giant. I mean, and I, I mean, I don't know what you have to do to not get yourself up for this game today in Toronto. And I didn't necessarily think he, I don't think he had a great game, but certainly was better than he had been when he was in Toronto. He scored field goals today. Right. Yes. Uh, so basically just anything at all would have been better than that game. Um, but I, I just I feel like there there's just Ben has just maybe more to the point is Ben has really decided he is sick of hearing all of the noise about what he doesn't do and is like, 
look, I'm going to show you why I don't need to do a lot of those things because I can absolutely physically dominate in all of these other aspects of the game. And then when you leave me 25 feet open, I'm going to stroke the prettiest three-point shot in the corner that you've seen all night. Like, get that I can do these things and I understand that I might have to. So, uh, look, I'll show you. I can do it, but... Really, the reason why I got drafted, the reason why I'm here, is because I'm going to average a triple-double every night, and I'm going to lead the league in steals, and, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna lead guards in dunks, which those are all facts right now. So, well, he's not averaging a triple-double. No, he's not averaging a triple-double, but he is leading the league. He is leading guards yeah. in dunks, and uh, he did stroke a really pretty three last night. Well, so what do you think of the Brett Brown comment because i have i have some thoughts on this brett brown's comment who it's you know he said to the media you could tell um, i'm not even gonna do the accent because i'm terrible he's like you can tell ben you can tell his friends tell his agent tell his family tell whoever uh, i want him to shoot one at least one three-pointer a game and uh he's like the the two-point jumpers are nice but i want him to focus on the three shot one three-point attempt a game is what i'm looking for I think that if my coach was saying that, I might look for an opportunity to put up one a night. You know what I mean? Like to me, that would that would kind of feel like, you know, that's and and if he really did that, if he really put up one a night, even if he just put one up a night, that would defenses would have to start to respect that. And if they start to to creep out more on him, forget about it. He will he'll he'll just gash people. He'll absolutely gash people. Guards can't cover him. My thought, my thought on this is if Brett is going to sit in front of the podium and say that to the media, he has been saying it to Ben Simmons for weeks, if not months. Or years. <laughs> he might have said it the day he came in, you know, at LSU. Like, that is not the first time that Ben Simmons has heard that message. No. There's no way in hell. And, I mean, he's taken two – like, it's taken two attempts, and he's kind of made them both. Yeah. <laughs> Like there hasn't been a Ben Simmons legitimate three point attempt this season that hasn't gone in. Well, right? I, no, I don't think so. Not. I mean, there's not, been like that than, stuff at the end of a quarter. Yeah, where but he, that, like, I don't even. I don't even like think about that. But you know, every time I watch, in some cases, I watch other guys on the team take contested threes and miss them. It's like Ben, why can't you? You can throw up a couple of those. Nope. Nobody's going to run you out of the league for that. Uh, but I think what what it is is that ben sees those sorts of things sees that pressure and instead of being like i need to hurl this up he goes i, I can sneak by this guy and i can put a two-handed slam up like he gets to the basket so fast that he he doesn't need to just hurl it up because he's going to run out of time because he can get to the basket from the three-point line in about a, a second and a half yeah so so dave going off of your point that if brett is saying this publicly now how long has he been saying it privately to ben the first thing that popped in my head is that there's like has to be some sort of like you know rewards chart in the like sixers locker room for like <laughs> a kid that does their chores now ben if you put up a three-point attempt every game this week you get a new pack of basketball cards you know and if you do it for yeah. this whole month you get nba you know 2020 i know that's on your christmas <laughs> list <laughs> I'd love to see it, but like, and by then your your three point shooting rating will be totally wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna have to come up with an update for you. You know that's downloadable content. 
I like it. I like the. I like the. Who else? Um, who else would have a reward chart on there? Um, uh, who who else could we like? Uh, like Mike Scott, no drinking alcohol during the game. <laughs> and if and well, and his reward would be you get a new tattoo. Jesus, where yeah, you put it? yeah, and at the end of the month, he can get a new hockey jersey. Yeah. There you go, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> Embiid, like you know, if he has perfect attendance for a month, okay, you know, I like it. You get a Big yeah. Mac. Is yeah. that... He's a <laughs> well, cheeseburger he, guy, he, right? He earns a day off. He earns a day off. Like here, here's a free PTO day, Embiid. You showed up every day this month. Yeah, and. Uh... <laughs> I mean, also gotta gotta give a shout out. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great game from Brett today. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I he, know he gets a lot of crap. I think he. Uh, I think he moved the people around that needed to get moved out. And honestly, it's been a really good week for him. the The thing that impressed me maybe more than anything, I was as I was watching the game yesterday, and I watched it on delay. I watched it really late, um, and I had managed to not have it spoiled. Um, but I was thinking sometime in the third quarter when we were running uh, a combination, Kyle O'Quinn, Neto, um, maybe even Mike Scott, but I don't think he was in. But I was looking at this team, and I was like, in 2015, our starting five would have lost to this group. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, right now, like, our third center is better than maybe any of the centers that were in that pre-Joel Embiid process. Like, I'd take Kyle O'Quinn over Nerlens Noel probably right now. Um, he, he certainly seems more yeah, athletic and, sure. and the, the nice thing is we've got three guys that play the five position that seem like they're really good at quarterbacking defenses. Um, Kyle Quinn seemed particularly vocal about moving people around when they were kind of in kind of like a, like a lazy zone. They were doing like a, like a two, one, two. And, um, yeah. And, and Al Horford, I probably I think does it through t- uh, telekinesis. Like I like people just know where to be <laughs> when he's on the court. And Joel is is yapping the whole time. So it's just really nice to see that we have bench players that you know all offer something uh, to the overall design of the team. It feels a lot less like we're going to put all these things together and hope that it comes together at some point. Like we kind of had last year, one of those like we we've got all this talent. They they must be able to work. This team actually feels like as we get deeper into the season, people have found their roles, their niches, and, uh, you know, know what job they need to do. Yeah, so we're we're at the quarter post now of the NBA season. And uh, so the Eastern Conference, uh, two through six, are all separated by two games right now. Uh, and the Bucks are kind of front running, and we're three and a half games behind. I really need a Bucks game. Yeah, it when, feels like it's a really late in the season that we haven't seen them yet. Yeah, I wonder when. Oh, so we play them. Uh, wait, damn, is this right? We play them on Christmas. That that will be fun. That will be really fun. For yeah, some reason, I, don't I, thought, know why we I had, thought that was Celtics again, but it's, uh, that's it's what fun. I thought. Yeah, too. You're right, it's Bucks. Yeah. yeah, I really thought it was Celtics again, honestly. Yeah. All right. So that is going to be nuts, man. Is that <laughs> the Philly. first time we see them? What's that? Is that the first time we see them? Is Christmas Day? Uh, yeah. And it's at home. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. So this week we get we get the Nuggets. Uh, we get the Nuggets in our house. Um, and then the and then we play the Celtics in Boston to hand them their first uh, their first home loss. I think that's going to be great. It's going to be the battle of the unbeaten's at home. You know, I mean, 
And if you can't get yourselves up for a Celtics game after the last two years and you play for this team, I, I don't, there's nothing I can do for you. And, and Horford's going get to get an earful. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think there's probably a, at least a mixed reaction to, to Horford, you know, coming in. But it's like anybody, if you were coming in as a rival here, like you're going you're gonna to get an earful. Um, so, yeah, I think that he's going to have something to prove, uh, even though that doesn't seem like his personality at all. It's going to be hard when not to want to get up for that game. I really hope that it, Joel Embiid gets up for that game. And Ben Simmons looks like a man on fire. So, Yeah, so uh, Sixers, uh, one of the two uh, must-watch teams in Philadelphia. So we'll switch over to the other one. Chuck, uh, Carter Hart rang the bell today for the Sixers. He did. What did you guys think of that bell ring? I, I thought it was, was kind of cool. I, I, mean, I give it a well, 6 out of 10. Well, thank you, Dave. I, I was happy he did it. I was so pumped um, that he was invited to do it. I mean, of course, he would be. But um, just the actual effort, it's, you know, I'm happy he didn't hurt himself doing it. But he definitely <laughs> Yeah, there's some guys that get like reserved. really into it and like yeah. bang the hell out of that thing and like yeah, I mean he was just kind of all right. I'm doing the thing. Yep, <laughs> it was okay. It was six out of ten. He didn't screw it up. Yeah, he, he didn't injure himself, which is really important. I hope he had a good time at the game. It seemed like there was a lot of energy there. So, yeah, Carter Hart, Sixers fan. Yeah, he could have had a very good time at the game. We have a couple days off before we play Colorado, so. Yep. Yeah, and All right. So Flyers, another productive week. Very productive. Very productive. Uh, 2-0. Well, 2-1-0, I guess. 2-1-0. And a um, couple really, really impressive wins for different reasons. Carter and Hart, 2-0. Carter Hart is 2-0, correct? Yep. Correct. Um, but I'm not putting the the loss on Elliot, and because I was going to say it's clearly his fault. Okay, very good. And <laughs> um, even that loss wasn't wasn't anything to be upset over. We lost. That loss was like coming at you uh, from a thousand miles away. It was like watching a meteor come in to hit you in the face. That loss. It was the most <laughs> predictable loss of the season. But Arizona's not bad. I that's what I'm saying. It's like they're good. The Flyers are playing well. We're gonna start the back up. I don't know. To me, it was just like the way and the way the Coyotes play defense is not mm-hmm. a good matchup for us. And I don't know. I just saw that thing like I'm like I'm from a million miles away. And it's an opponent you don't know or see very often. You don't the have perfect any perfect spot on the schedule to get a loss. Yeah. It it really was that way, and like you were saying, Gene, we don't play Arizona much, um, and they got Phil Kessel, who who does well against the Flyers. You know, Phil Kessel scored a goal. You know that for a long time seemed like going to be the only goal they needed to win. I just had to watch the first Flyers power play, and I was like, "Oh, we're losing this game." There's just no <laughs> well, and I, I think I remember on the broadcast as I was listening because I, I listened to a big chunk of this game on the radio. I, I think they said that like Phil Kessel, this was like his second goal of the year, and I was like, "Go figure." He's <laughs> yeah. able to find the net against the Flyers, and he disappears against the rest of the league. When I see a very active defensive power play uh, kill, mm-hmm. I, the Flyers do not know how to handle that. Unfortunately, yes, which is insane because that's our penalty kill this year. Our penalty kill is so active. It, we we really attack, attack, attack. And 
for years people would give Giroud time and space. I don't know why they did, because he'd pick them apart. But right now our penalty, or sorry, our power play is struggling. Um, and then I forget who was in net for for uh, Arizona. Was it Antiniemi? I I can't recall. Yeah, I think but, it was. But I I know that that whoever he is, he's he's leads what I think most of the, or he's in the top five in almost every goalie statistic right now. Yeah, he um is it played a great game. So there was a lot there. Uh, Tockett's defense, you know, his team philosophy there. Arizona plays a very boring game, and we don't match up against boring teams. You know, we don't match up against obstruction very well because the Flyers are a high-skill team. You know, it, it's something I've noticed a couple times this year. Um, bad ice at the Wells Fargo Center and obstruction really slow the flyers down but even with all that said a good effort against arizona uh they pulled the goalie nice and early for you dave and saw immediate results (laughs) or almost immediate results to almost make a game of it um right but the the bookends of this week man it was great to see and Ended strong in both games against the Canadian teams. That um, what Tuesday night game against the Leafs, man. Dave and I were there. That was that was insane. Weird that, game. Weird game. Yeah, yeah. It was a good it, game. It was tight all the way through. And then the last ten minutes of the game was just nuts. Yeah, I think Kevin Hayes described it as the closest 6-1 win he's ever been a part of. That's a great way to describe it. That's a yeah. great way to describe it. Well, and, yeah, and, the... and who had that did was he the one that had that goal that that made it 3 to 2? He he might have. He Cuz I never I know that their goal 2-1 or or 3-2. Their goal no, It was never 2-2, two, two, so Yeah. Okay. So there was a, I guess they had tied it at 1 and then the Flyers seemed to immediately uh, get that goal back, and it was one of those things where yeah. you knew when they responded. That was that, when you respond that quickly, you're like, oh, okay, they're 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 going to end up putting this team away. Yeah, that uh, Giroux was the one who tied it within, like, it felt yeah. like seconds. Yeah, it really did. Uh, I'm looking at it now; it is actually a minute and a half, but it felt like seconds. And I loved, loved, loved. Great goal by Giroux. And the no celebration celebration just like skate away and just oh, puff his chest out a bit. That was a tremendous fuck you to <laughs> Toronto. Uh, then it was Travis Konechny. And as I bring up his name, if you have prayers to spare today, uh, offer them towards Travis Konechny's health. Um, Do we have any that... idea what's going on with him? I, I assumed concussion, but I hadn't heard anymore. Um, there was no update today. The update will be coming tomorrow or today. As you guys are listening, it's going to be coming Monday the 9th. Let, let me guess, uh, upper body injury. Upper body injury. Um, he didn't return to the game, so it's likely it's concussion. Hopefully it's not, but I'm not too optimistic. But it's it's early. Who knows? I mean, maybe it was you know, an abundance of caution and they or get him checked out who knows but i I think i think we should be on the lookout for uh for concussion before we jump to that ottawa game where all the uh fisticuffs 
broke out. A question about the Toronto game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like to observe is what Gritty is doing while the Mites are playing. <laughs> uh, in this game, Gritty was playing Frisbee. Well, all right, so Gritty had no clothes on, or he had, like, boxer shorts on or something. He had a tutu. He had a tutu on, and he was playing Frisbee What looked with what looked to be a Secret Service member. Well, those are the gritty attendants, I guess. Okay. Gritty over, secret service. And for some portions, they were playing Frisbee over the Mites on Ice game. They were. And he also had a belly button ring. Yes. Uh, so my question is, is that too disrespectful to the Mites? That's a good question. I didn't think about like it. If you were a, a Mite parent, um, would you be like, why? Like, does this have to happen while my kid is trying to, like, I would say have a moment. I would say no because it's it's an inner it's essentially just a practice. And you know, they you know, hate to ruin the illusion for people, but the mites <laughs> all play on the same team, you know, <laughs> when they're not playing against each other at intermission. Right. So it, it's not a playoff game. It's not a playoff <laughs> game. And you know, they love Gritty more than you do, more than I do, more than anyone does. Kids love Gritty. So the fact that he's playing Frisbee over them, you know, only one kid's going to score. Um, young Mr. Pfeiffer won Might of the Night on Tuesday. Uh, the only reason I remember that is because we have a friend of the last name Pfeiffer. No relation to that child, I presume. We didn't ask him. Uh, <laughs> and... That was, you know, only a couple kids were going to have real highlight, real things. But they can all say, look, did you see Gritty playing Frisbee over us? Did you see Gritty in only a tutu and a bedazzled customized belly ring? <laughs> well, I, I will say I do, respect, that game. I do respect Gritty's effort. He did lay out several times uh, to try to make some highlight real catches. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. And called out the people he was playing with, too. Like, he was not shy to go, that was a bad throw. Gritty has some real athleticism, too, you know, for making a half-court shot, you know, early in his, you know, time. Carson Wentz needs to get a little gritty in him to uh, call out some of these guys that aren't giving max effort. <laughs> I Carson Wentz can take a lot of notes from gritty is, yeah is gritty the anonymous player gritty wouldn't be anonymous <laughs> hold on oh you know what would be brilliant you know that carson wentz commercial that uh that i hate that the one where he has like a touchdown hates. he has like a touchdown uh dance instructor oh, yeah. yeah same commercial remove the instructor insert gritty then it's a classic instant <laughs> classic It'd be brilliant too, but but it wouldn't it wouldn't just be like harmless fun. Gritty would be pissed. <laughs> Gritty would end up going hand me the football. The commercial would end with Gritty in the pocket. Let's talk about the Ottawa game. Okay. Speaking See, of dumb fun, yeah, man. let's go through the events that um that led to the maximum fine. Uh, allowed yeah. by the NHL to be imposed. So that was eventually um, laid upon Brady Kachuk, not to be confused with Matthew Kachuk or Keith Kachuk or sons of Keith Kachuk. Yeah. And 
the Kachuk brothers are bastards. Wait, they, they those guys are Keith Kachuk's kids? Yeah. They are. Yeah. yeah. Keith Kachuk is that fucking old? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, it was the greatest and I don't know if you guys greatest coyote ever. I don't I don't know if you guys were watching it. I think it was at Intermission Live, like between they they had a point where uh I think it was um uh Chris Terrian was talking about like he 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 generally believes that the way that Keith brought those kids up were like, just you're big, just go stand in front of the net and you're gonna score tons of goals. Like don't you know oh, don't John LeClaire have any kids yeah <laughs> he does um he I believe was recently thrown off his college team for actions like unbecoming the team um nice. and I can't nice we'll dig up that story <laughs> I want to know more about that <laughs> I don't think we do that's not the shit like <laughs> oh he went to a kegger like no that's like <laughs> shit you don't want to know about <laughs> um but yeah brady kachuk um matthew tends to be the one at least in my perspective seems to have more of the reputation for being an asshole but uh brady certainly was living up to that uh just sort of being a a pest out there and not in the traditional sense he's a skilled player i had him on my fantasy team two years ago and uh i was very happy i did but um there was a lot of back and forth, and I guess it all really began with the hit on TK. Right. And I, I can't recall the name of the the player uh, for the Sens. I'm going to take a quick look and see if I can pull it up. But He's a meathead, whoever he is. Uh, he is. He, he's a, a meathead who I think had ended up, you know, foiling a burglary or something oh. uh earlier or the previous week by clotheslining somebody well that's um, kind of awesome yeah that kind of is but he he took that same aggression and laid out tk you always have to stop a burglary in progress if you can you do not want to have a spider-man situation on your hands exactly with great power comes great responsibility and you know right. um his uncle ben could have been murdered but that Speaking of murdering, that hit on TK. Ugh, it was just ever so slightly late, you know, ever so slightly blindside. You know, no, you know, no additional, you know, supplemental discipline coming from it. And I don't, I even, do I don't even think un- there was a penalty called on the play. I don't think there was either. No, I don't think there was. Um, um, I thought it looked okay. Yeah, it's talky, uh, man. Yeah. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. So if it it was just ever so slightly late, but it was the hit was there and he took it, you know. And as as much this game is a different game from when Scott Stevens played, if you're not aware of your surroundings and opponent has an opportunity for a big legal check, they're gonna lay out. And TK got laid out on now, a clean enough check on a clean enough check. And from there, shit got real. <laughs> and, and is this really the last kind of the last way in which the game has to police itself? Like that is 
technically a legal hit. So the only way, you know, if if, if you're on the Flyers bench, well, as soon as that hit comes down, and there, you know, obviously there, you know, and there's no penalty, right? Because you can't you can't wait for an opportunity. Do you to get look a legal up and down the bench back. and be like, which which one of us is going to go? Like, you know, we have to respond. Like that's yeah. you probably don't even have to talk about it. Like you just know that the next like that's going to have to happen. Just like when I was sitting in my on my sofa, I, I knew something was going to happen. And I'm happy it did. You know, there's a lot of people who lament, oh, there's there's too much fighting, too many scrums after clean hits in today's game. But it's it's how you stand up for yourself. It's how you go, hey, we don't like you, even though it was a clean hit, taking advantage of that opportunity to hit our superstar, especially when the fact that TK went down with injury. And we don't have many tough guys on this team. You know, you know, any many fighters. I mean, I don't want to say our team's not tough. We yeah, really we we notice we don't have many fighters on this team. When Jake Voracek has stepped up, yes, and got whipped, he did. Um, but he did do the takedown, and yeah, it's just not that team right now. Like him getting yeah. punched in the face, it's time to do this takedown. It was a lot of ribs. Uh, I know, and several face. Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> but he he stood up. It's one of those old school relics of hockey it's yeah i know you, can't yeah, you just gotta roll do over. it yeah yeah you gotta do it somebody had to do something and there's you know with chris stewart in the press box where he belongs right um there, there's nobody really on the team to do it well they had yeah. said i think after the Voracek uh fight that this was only like the fourth fl- fight of the year and chris stewart yeah. had two of them yep and um we had a joel Faraby fight his first fight Good in job, the NHL. Kid. Yep. Get in there. He got whiffed too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't really. I don't, neither one of those guys looked like they had any idea what to do when they when they locked up. Um, there wasn't. There was. It really was. I think they made the crack on uh, on the broadcast. It was like uh, the only thing that that was was a delay a game. They should have both been assessed two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't pick that one up, but yeah, that's that's accurate. Um, uh, but it's. It's just this this Flyers team, you know, fighting is phasing its way out of the game. So we we don't even have a, a Gudis, you know, we we don't have a Simmons. We we got nobody. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but yeah. but appropriate steps are taken. And uh, Farabee was uh, a goal away from the Gordie Howe hat trick. I was really hoping mm. he'd end up with the empty netter because uh, he got the fight and the assist. Uh, so, uh, like, Ottawa ties this thing up with not much time left, maybe a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and then Lawton scores the goal. Yep, Lawton, and, and that one must have been, like, 30 seconds. That one was immediately swings afterwards. swings by the bench and mm-hmm. says, what, you guys will play Mad Libs, and guess what he says? <laughs> um... I, I imagine it involves profanities. Um, hopefully, yep. it didn't involve any slurs. Um, Potential sexual acts one could perform on oneself. Yeah, that's 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 a, a fair assumption. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's like Tim Horton sucks. <laughs> oh, Donald Bashir. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Poor Donald Bashir's just trying to make a living. Now we're ragging on Tim Hortons. Um, they pay but... a fair wage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's my Donald Bashir impersonation. In case it was anyone brilliant. was wondering, <laughs> Wayne's the world benefits is be- are decent. <laughs> Wayne's world is better than Strange Brew. <laughs> Well, let's not take anything, say that anything we can't take back. And Scott Lawton himself is Canadian. Like, that's the thing. Like, you can't get all, like, USA, like, when you're following hockey. Although we have more Americans on this team than I can remember. And it, even then, it's, like, four. But They provide a decent contribution match to my 401k. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very American centric take of like <laughs> they have decent benefits. What what do we describe as benefits? Healthcare? <laughs> like everybody's got that. Uh, <laughs> Look, and the, the you gotta you gotta you gotta uh pad the nest egg. Yeah. Uh, that's... Contri- Listen, a- anyone out there, if you're not contributing to your 401k, you need to. And up that contribution a percentage or two every every year. You get the uh the merit increase. Yeah, and it's good it's a good habit to get into. And you are never too young to start. Start young. That's so true. Like that's so true. Just a little bit out, you won't miss it. If you just <laughs> squirrel a little bit away in your twenties, um, you're gonna see that benefit. You know, several fold by the time you get to forty. You're gonna go, wow, that you know, you know, small amount per paycheck. We'll provide. Really- we'll provide a uh, a retirement four hundred one k contribution calculator in the show notes. Okay, real quick, we can't. Um, Probably not. I am in the financial industry. To say no, um, all of my opinions are solely my own and not that of my uh, employer. I don't feel like having to to make a declaration. I also have no for... idea what Tim Hortons uh, does as far as a four hundred one k benefit for its support. It's all okay, donuts. So, it's all so donuts. Scott Lawton scored eleven <laughs> seconds after Anthony Duclair, who's having a hell of a career renaissance in Yeah, Duclair Ottawa. looked really good last yesterday. He did, and he had a, a shitty time in Columbus under um, John Tortorella and I think was more or less cut from the team um, or waved down to the AHL and found a home in Ottawa, and I was kind of hoping maybe the Flyers would you know, take a flyer on him. Um, but you know, there wasn't really a spot and he, he was kind of a, a risk because he was, you know, a, a good prospect that hadn't done too much in the NHL. You know, he would have been fine, but the risk reward wasn't there for our team with Ottawa, man, it's been all reward. He's been really good, but 11 seconds after he scored Lawton scored to tie it up. He shit talked the bench and then, in the waning moments of the game, when I think Otto had the puck, only down one goal, Brady Kachuk decides, you know what? Let's give the Flyers the win. You know? Sure. Fucking douchiest move. Yeah, that cross check sees that he got called for it and then just jumps him. <laughs> like, if Lawton was hurt, he'd be getting a suspension right now. And that that's a crappy way to to dole out, you know, supplemental discipline. Now I'm not certain Kachuk needed a uh, a you know a suspension. The fine was probably okay. 
but definitely a talking to from the league that that's that's bush league you know you jump the guy from behind who could not fight you he has a broken finger you know his hands bandaged up he literally cannot fight you so but that brought back some good old school ottawa hate you know bring back memories of what was it 2004 i mean it's sounds brawl it sounds yeah. when we say like that's the maximum he could have been fined. He was fined. It's twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, you got to give it up to the players' association for something in the NHL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've guys, lost so much in negotiation. Those guys are paupers, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, any other highlights from the week that was? We got what TK going out. Uh, great win over Toronto. Acceptable loss to Phoenix. And, you know, nice win over Arizona, Ottawa, who plays a game that does not match up with the Flyers' skill set. So, tough road trip this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, if we go, well, if we go well, one more well, one, I'd be pretty happy. Colorado is tough. That should be a fun game. Stay up for that one. Um, Colorado is tough is that's one of the most exciting teams in the league and they're probably the favorite to land you know uh, (laughs) taylor hall so that's gonna suck um watch out for joe (laughs) sackick like to come down from the press box or like to make (laughs) aggressive moves i don't know like all my memories from some of these teams like i just are like stuck in like the late 90s yeah yeah i hear you i i i've watched so much hockey since then but yeah, it's like, ooh, man, Avalanche playing Detroit next week. We got to check that out. Yeah, Patrick Waugh. Yeah, no one on the team was born when that was a blood rival. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Winnipeg has really bounced back after a slow start. Um, I think the Flyers should do well against Winnipeg. They pro- they play a type of game we can exploit, although playing in Winnipeg is a bit hard. Um, Minnesota has not been good. I just so, feel like a, from a miles traveled standpoint, this is a yeah. weird, this is a weird road trip. It is. And it's Especially not even from, the, you know, the, and that's a back to back that Minnesota Winnipeg. Oh, is that? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a border crossing in between there. Um, yeah. So it's going to be with that said, it'll be a tough week that minute. Hopefully we win that Minnesota game handily. And take another point. So if you, like you said, Dave, one, one, and one, I'd be happy with that before returning home against Anaheim, which should be a win. Um, Anaheim's not very good. Buffalo is hit or miss. That should be a good game. And then freaking Ottawa again. Again. On the on the 21st of December, man. You know, yeah. we'll talk before then, but mark that one on your calendars chris stewart will be in that game if you if you have a proposition bet (laughs) so true so true when's the next time chris stewart's playing well it's not gonna be any later than december 21st chris stewart will be in that game all right uh so you want to move from the uh from the ice to the hot stove now yes yes i do warm up a bit so where do we start we start the phillies or you start with cole we could we can start in the order in which they occurred. So Zach Wheeler first, right? Well, I think Cole Hamill signed uh, like an hour before. Okay, so it's Christmas time. So let's put Cole in your stocking. <laughs> Cole Hamill signs with the freaking Atlanta Braves. 
Yeah. For a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> one one year deal for one billion dollars. It was it's one of those things where it's it's I heard the total and I was like, yeah, that's why that happened. But uh, later on, I heard that the Phillies made an offer. Did did you guys hear any of this? I did. I I didn't hear any details about the offer outside outside of it was like what insulting or something. Well, well I, I guess as it, much as a nine million dollar offer can be insulting. Yeah, I guess it like insulting That's... in the sense that like the Braves then doubled it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, do you think the Phillies were offering like nine million for two, like that kind of insulting, or like nine million for one year? with the ex- expectation that there wasn't going to be much of a market for him. Do you think that, honestly, that the Phillies didn't think they were competing with anybody else for his services? So, yeah, so I think it's one of two things. I think either the Phillies were like, Cole's coming here. He's His market value is probably, I don't know, like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 13, 12 or 13 million. That makes um, more sense to hope- me, honestly. Yeah, he'll give us a hometown discount because he probably really wants to come back here. He has a house here and all that stuff. He probably wants to retire as a Philly anyway. So let's undercut it a little bit and see what we can do. That's one side of it. The other side of it is Cole's really not that good anymore. And uh, we're just okay not signing him. But our fans will go apeshit if we don't at least make some kind of offer yeah and if we're if we're going to get him let's get him on a friendly contract so we'll really undercut it he'll probably go somewhere else but at least our fans will be appeased that we made an effort for him i think it's a bit of a combination of the two i feel like nine million for one year is like fair market value for him you know, it's a lot it, closer than eight. 18 million seems like an insane number for Cole uh, yeah. 18 million feels ridiculous. 13, I would still say somebody overpaid, uh, and I would have been okay if the, the all right, 12. If the Phil <laughs> well, signed up for 12, not your money, who cares? I know it's not my money, but I'm just saying, like, for, for actual worth of the player. And for flexibility for the Phils to do other things. If we signed them for 12, I've been happy with that. Hope for, you know, a good year, a rebound year in his, you know, adopted hometown or whatever the case may be. When he went to Atlanta, I was like, oh, you're killing me. And there's for 18 million. I'm like, 18 million? I'm like, he's not worth 18 million right now. Yeah, but the the weird part about that story was um it said something like Jeff Francoeur and Ryan Howard convinced them to sign with Atlanta. Yeah. Like, yo, what? big piece. What are you doing? Like, why man? would Ryan Howard do that? He's from St. Louis. He played in Philadelphia. Why would he convince him to go to Atlanta? Did Ryan you Howard. Had that, you had that weird one year minor league deal with the Braves. Yeah, but he never played if for you were the washed. Braves. Yeah. Is it just like Ryan Howard's like, go to Atlanta? I will come down and visit you. It will be a great excuse to get away from my home. (laughs) Like, I can't, I don't know why. Well, I mean, well, here's a reason why. I mean, Atlanta's probably the better team on paper, or at least was last year. Well, I mean, last year they were the better team in the standings, but maybe that's just why they're saying it's a better opportunity for them. But, 
So he he gets paid eighteen million dollars to go to Atlanta. Like what what sort of production would you expect to get from Cole Hamels right now that you're going to say at the end of the year? Yeah, he was worth eighteen million. Like what 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 you know? Aside from win losses, which uh, it's hard to judge a pitcher on win losses at this point anymore, um, just the nature of the game. Like, do you think he's got to log two hundred innings? Do you think Cole Hamels can log two hundred innings? Does he have to approach two hundred strikeouts? Does he have to have a sub three ERA? Like what what would what number would stick out to you that would be like, yeah, he was worth eighteen million. So last season, here's his line. Twenty seven games, he was seven and seven with a three point eight one ERA. Okay. Cool. If you had told me that that was Zach Eflin's n- numbers, I would have told you, I would have like believed you. <laughs> okay. I mean, nobody, I, nobody's that, paying Zach that, Eflin eighteen million dollars. I don't. I don't think it is. Like you know, are you are you are you buying him on reputation? It's not like the Cubs were a terrible team last year. That whole division was in contention until very late in the season. Literally, all the whole the whole division. Eflin um, was ten and ten and thirteen with a four point one three. Okay, all right. Yeah. And he's I mean, making significantly less than eighteen million dollars. I mean, they're both on the decline. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, Eflin's ERA has gone down. And Eflin had uh, a much better second years. half to the season once they told him to stop pitching up, you know, and he's a guy that pitches low in the zone. But anyway. Sure. Um, I just think if you're Cole Hamels, like, I think at this point, like, he's going to have to, again, have an ERA closer to 3.5 than 3.8. He's going to have to – and more importantly, I think he's going to have to approach – you said he, he pitched 27 games. I think he's going to have to do at least that again and be close to somewhere around 175 to 200 innings. Like he's going to have to be a, a three, basically. Pitch like with three numbers even though he's probably there four. I just mean like whatever. So, I mean, the Braves are in this like position because of Ronald Acuna. And yeah, the way <laughs> – the whole situation with Acuna has basically changed the way the Braves can financially operate because he's basically their Bryce Harper um, for uh, what is his contract? He he is on the books for like absolute peanuts. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up now. Um, but yeah, no, he's he is a franchise player young and cheap you know and and all and already putting up like mvp caliber numbers it's, you know lots of people have young potential on their books oh uh, yeah this guy is a young mvp candidate so acuna books. is gonna he's gonna he's he's gonna make a million dollars this year and he's gonna make five million dollars in 2021 and, like, that, and, and that's all before i think he hits arbitration right so if you said you have a marquee superstar MVP caliber player that other teams are paying $30 million a year towards that lets you do all kinds of weird shit, like sign Cole Hamels for $18 million. Yeah. 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 Uh, his agent is a, is a buffoon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a moron. Like actually in, in all honesty, the players' association should have stepped into that contract and said, "This is this is ridiculous." Yeah, like he should be at least be making like whatever the arbitration number would be at this point. Like I, it, 
he should have been negotiating. Somehow they should have been like trying to ne- ask for a negotiation for an extension. I I don't know. Like the fact that he's going to come back at a, a one million dollar and then a five million dollar deal. Like you know he could blow with his knee and 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 that'll be that. But well, it, it's an eight year one hundred million dollar contract. Um, it is what I'm looking for here. He signed. So he is signed on an extension. It's just to yeah. completely backloaded. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's making seventeen million for the the last four years. One million, five million, fifteen million, and then seventeen million dollars a year for the last four years. Even those seventeen million dollar years are bargains, right? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, he, um, you know, essentially was scheduled to make, you know, half a million, got bumped up to one million. So and... they bought out all of his. Uh, um... So the annual average value is $12.4 million a year. Which is a steal for for him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Although I guess he's young enough that he could finish that contract and still make another big money contract. Yeah, and as soon as he signed that deal, you knew you were screwed because that that left all kinds of financial flexibility for the Braves. Yeah, And you got to work that much harder. You're that much further away from the luxury tax which I'm hearing the Phillies don't want to go over. I don't know. I don't know. So the Phillies signed Zach Wheeler, which we definitely needed something. I'm mm-hmm. glad that we have something locked in. We're not chasing this Garrett Cole. Uh, um, Pipe dream. Rabbit. You know, yeah. I mean, the the Yankees have basically have authorized, like, whatever. Blank check. Just get him in here. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean... I haven't really heard much. You have any sort of feeling on where he's going to wind up? I still think he's going to end up in uh, in Anaheim. Is is yeah. is my vibe? Um, if only because they they have given off the impression that they they want to break the bank to bring him in, and and I think that he's a California guy. And from everything I'm hearing, the Yankees really covet Steven Strasburg. So it feels like. You know, then it could be a, a place where another another team could really set the market on on Cole. Yeah, um, so the Phillies probably overpaid for Wheeler, but you had to lock in one of these free agent pitchers because, I mean, you need some stability in this in this rotation. And and you that's know, the understatement of the year, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, and Wheeler's a, a change of pace from what we've you know been seeing. I mean, he's a he's a high velocity pitcher. Uh, he's a 98 mile per hour pitcher. He's a he's a strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's he's and this is like another thing. It's like the Mets had such have such a deep rotation. They can just let this guy go, and you know they're fine. But uh, it's nice to take someone from a division rival, and hopefully he can stay healthy. So where do yeah. you where do you if if this is the only pitcher we bring in, how do you slot the uh, the rotation now? I, or do you think that we we have to go get Nola, somebody? Nola Wheeler, Arietta, and then and then your your the bros <laughs> like who, who I mean I don't Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <laughs> Eflin is probably one of those guys. Is the, there's there there is under no circumstances anybody named Vince Velasquez that's going to be uh, in this rotation next year, right? 
Like that. Not... That is, do you do we count? Do we just count that as a bullpen move now? Is he is he now our our guy that comes in uh, if if there's a rain delay in the third inning? Is that now Vince Velasquez's role? Sure. Gotta we're, hope we're so. Losing. If the if the if the argument is should we put Vince in or have one of our position players pitch? Is it Roman Quinn? <laughs> if it's not Roman Quinn, then put Vince in. Yeah. Yeah, it's a matter of like, do you even want to have him in the dugout? Uh, I I feel like they they're gonna have to at least go in and find if nothing else, they're gonna have to at least throw maybe an overpay offer at a guy like Porcello or somebody in that middle tier free agency where, you know, maybe three years ago they had a top five were in conversation about it, Cy Young and are on the kind of the downside. My 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 hope is that they don't give out another five year deal to a guy that's of like the Arietta kind of aisle in the shopping market. Like if you can get another one of those guys that's it's that, that's certainly on the downside, and you can get him for like two years or three years. That would be ideal. I would rather pay a guy way too much money in the one or you know the one year he's going to be productive for you than be paying a guy for three years after he's he's gone. I mean, Dave mentioned it earlier. Of uh, you know, it's not our money, but you always have to think about the logistics of it. Uh, for all this team promised, for all this team is looking to do, and for how filled that ballpark can get when the team is good, we should be a, a luxury tax team. You know the the hesitance to the hesitance to go in that area when you're trying to be a big spender, when you're trying to go, we're pulling out all the stops to win. I don't know. It, it's it gives me pause. I'm like, if you're not willing to spend the money, go for more value. Play, you know, bring in smaller name players. I wouldn't trade the Bryce Harper signing for anything. But if we're saying, yeah, we can't afford to spend with the big boys, maybe we shouldn't have spent with the big boys. Like, you, you made your bed, lie in it. Spend the money that you need to spend now to win. Well, there's a lot of reports that have basically said that that's what they're going to do. And I guess my fear is when when the big boys are now, you know, the the, the big fish that are out there now are Anthony Rendon, uh, two starting pitchers where you're one of those guys is going to be a Yankee. Like that's the thing that the Yankees need. And we all know that they just write blind checks. And and then you know you start to kind of trickle down into like a a middle tier, you know. Do you uh, want to spend I, that kind of money on a guy like? Do you want to go and put put that kind of contract into a an everyday player again, or you know, do we need to break the bank for Steven Strasburg or Cole? And and is there a preference? Do you guys prefer one over the other? Well, I I, I the rumors are really swirling that. Um, and the speculation is that Girardi is pushing for Didi Gregorius. So okay. how do you think that fits in? Because I don't think they're going after Rendon. Well, if you bring in Didi, I think you you slide Segura to second, and and Kingery becomes like a third base center field, you know, swappable position. Unless you bring in a third, uh, you know, another third baseman. I think they really had an, their eye on Mike Mustakis, but he he got paid a lot of money sure. from Cincinnati, more money than I think you would have been 
uh, smart to spend on him honestly. But maybe they'll maybe they'll parlay and like move Segura. Well, I'd, I'd like to see them do something like because that. Because Girardi's Even... probably like, screw this Segura nonsense. Yeah. This guy's a, a <laughs> he, loaf. He is not. He is not. Uh, He's an olive loaf. He is not defensively. Uh, where you need a, you know, Kingery is a better uh, shortstop than he is right now. He's got better range. So it, he's not even the best shortstop on, on the team at the moment. And the guy who he's better than is a natural second baseman. So, yeah. you know, I, I like what Sakura does in some ways, but he really doesn't have, he, he doesn't bring any kind of pizzazz with that on base percentage. Pimento loaf. <laughs> I'm just Date trying to loaf? think of gross loaves. Date loaf. Is that a thing? It is. A date loaf? I believe so. I think Olive Loaf probably be the leader in the clubhouse. Shouldn't make loaves out of your dates. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer disagrees. (laughs) Uh, All right. So gun to your head. Before we leave, gun to your head. Do you want Strasburg or do you want Garrett Cole? Oh, oh! I get to pick one, just like whatever I get to have. I, I can't imagine they would sign both. But like, which one do you want them to really, you know, kind of like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? Which one do you want? I'll take Eric Cole. I've always been a fan. Back Ch- to the Pirates days. Chuck, thoughts? Uh, I'll also take Cole. And I don't really have a great reason for it. Strasburg is a. Here's the reason for it. I'll I don't want to. Cole. <laughs> Eric Cole, you bastard. <laughs> um, that's a real inside joke there. <laughs> With three people who get it, I bet you they're cracking up right now. Um, honestly, the, the gut instinct is I don't want to just be the team that goes, you know, to the Nats. Oh, your guy, yeah. your contract's over? Uh, we'll take them. <laughs> um, can we get two for one, Strasburg and Rendon? Thanks. Yeah, we're not trying to big market you guys, but um, we'll we'll just take them. This is this is for Jason Worth, you bastards. <laughs> um, I'd be happy with either. Honestly, my hot stove consumption this year is way down. I'm still traumatized from last year. Like, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, looking that's it part up. of the reason why I'm not like, let's go after Garrett Cole. I'm like, just have fatigue. Yeah, yeah I'm like, was... whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm putting it in God's hands now. <laughs> Gene, do you have a preference? It was it was four months of having to check Twitter multiple, multiple times a day to just be like, please, God, give me anything that says that Bryce Harper or Randy Machado is signing somewhere. Just make this end. Yeah, Apple uh, just sent me a notification. Your screen time is down 98% from this time <laughs> last year. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I prefer Garrett Cole. I just think the guy is... Uh... He just has like otherworldly sort of talent. Like he's he's that perfect mix of velocity and control. Uh, Strasburg to me is always going to be the guy that uh, you know when the Nationals were close to a playoff, they decided to put him on the shelf. Like there's just a curse of Strasburg around him. Like the guy just feels like a monkey's paw kind of situation. Like yeah, the guy's probably really good, but I just I don't well, know if I want to bring he's a that world in. Champion. Yeah, when well, Pat Burrell's got what two of them, so you he's know. nasty though, dude. Strasburg's nasty. He Strasburg is Strasburg. nasty. Yeah, that would that would cheese that that would cheese Nats fans. Dude. Yeah, and I've got Strasburg I, and with I that, do like, like nasty that. bender. 
Well, can I mean, like, if we went Strasburg, Rendon, Harper, and that was like, you know, <laughs> we open it in Nats field, you know, like Nats Park, We'd like have I know. To they win would just the World like, Series in 2020. We would yeah. like, like you had to take Nats, our team to win. Well, no, but but imagine if we didn't. Imagine if we took yeah, their team sure. and they repeated in 2020 or yeah, that would be annoying. Well, and the the other thing is, uh, most Nats fans are mad. Are, you know, I've been a fan since this week, so like, would they even care? <laughs> beating that drum again, but yeah. Hey, I <laughs> I, I, uh, I just got another notification from Apple. They said our penalty box time is up a hundred percent from five minutes ago. Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. And I'll kick it back to you and your apparent Apple sponsorship that you picked up this week. Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? All right. I'm putting in NBA referees uh, into the penalty box for two instances. Uh, The first one, James Harden's dunk that went through the metal rim of the basketball hoop (laughs) and flipped back up due to some strange laws of physics <laughs> called no basket. Like really when a player is on a breakaway all by himself, the only thing to look at at that point is the ball going through the basket. So to miss that is, is pretty crazy. Uh, and I have the, uh, I should have been more prepared. Okay, the NBA ref's uh, explanation. Uh, all right, when the play happened, Harden goes in for the dunk, and the ball appears to us to pop back up through the net. When that happens, that is basket interference. What? I don't understand. Wait. Anyway, it's no basket, and it's totally wrong, and now the Rockets are, are playing on a protest. The other instance, did you see the travel from LeBron James? <laughs> I thought that was going to be the first one, yes. Oh, my God. Bro just picks the ball up, walks three steps, and then starts dribbling again. And the, It's like the you forgot goes, the rules of the game. <laughs> it's like... My kids are like, what happened? You know, I showed David the 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 video of it. He's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Anyway, so for for those two calls, I'm putting the NBA refs in the penalty box. You gotta do a better job. All right, NBA referees, it's a crying shame when you were better when you were on the take. You're getting a five minute penalty, a five minute major for gross incompetence. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box this week? I wish I could give you the the specific names of these people, but uh, once again, I, I think I'm just going to call it um, uh, the the median Eagles fan who is uh, born between 1945 and 1960. Um, okay. Okay, boomer. So <laughs> uh, the amount of those guys who I have either uh, spoken to in person, heard on the radio, or uh, just felt the general vibe in the atmosphere who are afraid to play Eli Manning tomorrow. Um, let me just tell you, uh, folks, if you're, if you're really concerned tomorrow, if that's your, your issue, is that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have to face Eli Manning again, I, I hate to break it to you. You, you have 
your priorities in terms of what's going to happen tomorrow are completely skewed. The one thing I can promise you that uh, that is not going to happen tomorrow is that anything that Eli is going to do anything spe- special or spectacular. The guy is done. If the Giants wow. win tomorrow, it's going to be for any other reason or mostly the Eagles fault. It will not be Eli Manning that's going to beat the Eagles tomorrow. You can mark it down. You can put it in your book. Whatever you got to do. Also, take the under. This game might end 3 nothing. I don't know who's <laughs> going to be 3-4, but there may be zero touchdowns scored in this game. Um, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be zero fun to watch. Eli Manning will not beat the Eagles. Period. End of story. Don't worry about it. All right, so for all of our older Eagles fans who, for some reason, haven't been paying attention, or maybe their memory is slipping a bit, Eli Manning isn't very good, especially against the Eagles, and especially not now. So if you're worried about Eli Manning, I'm going to give you a two-minute minor. Go back, look at the tape, find out that he's cooked. Hey, Chuck, before we go to your penalty box, you can hear some Eli prop bets? Sure. The over-under for passing yards for Eli is 250.5. Under? That's the only one I have. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? (laughs) Thank you, Dave. In my penalty box this week is people who say one thing but mean another. And this Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Well, I guess... I don't know. I was just trying to go for a little patter there. Um, But (laughs) what I'm really talking about is people who don't understand lawyers and things involved when it comes to making big decisions and talking about it publicly. Um, This comes about from Rudy Giuliani. He would fall under this. This is a lot of back and forth in a, in a penalty box. that I'm not quite accustomed (laughs) to, but that's fine. So no, what I'm talking about has to do with Bill Peters and the example specifically I'll give is Greg Wyshynski. So Bill Peters was, um, well, he resigned recently from his role in the Calgary Flames over some old school, old school, sorry, some racist comments that happened in the past. And uh, Greg Wyshynski on both of his podcasts began with saying, now I understand he had to resign because of lawyers and all, but I really wish, you know, Brad Trilliving, the, the GM there, uh, Calgary, you know, had acknowledged that he was a racist or hinted a little bit more that that they were going to fire him if he didn't resign. I'm like, that's not the, how it works. If you acknowledge that lawyers are involved and that this person, quote unquote, resigned, there are limits to what you can say. And it boggles my mind when they should just oh they should just fire him i know they don't want to pay him that like no if you recognize that there are complications to this if you recognize that somebody had to quote unquote resign but was really fired you should be able to recognize that they can't just say he was fired that they can't just say he's racist no a deal was made the guy quit and that's that so for people who don't understand the role of lawyers or who say one thing and mean another or who interrupt Chuck's patter during a penalty box speech, this is a two-minute minor for not understanding how things work. 
just to make one thing clear, I did not know the penalty box had to be like a 30 second isolated soapbox. I thought we could still uh, throw some <laughs> quips in there. You no, know? we do. We do. And I give back and forth at all. <laughs> all right. You know, it's, you know, it's so sensitive. Um, it's not the first time in my life I've been accused of being too sensitive. <laughs> Listen, guys, if you had uh, fun today, wait till tomorrow uh, because we're not going to come back at you next week. We're going to come back at you tomorrow with a raw nerve episode immediately following Eagles Giants. You ready for that, Chuck? I hope to be asleep during it. I will put my phone (laughs) near my head. You guys call me if I'm not on the All right. so, pod to sounds begin. about right gene are you ready for that oh i'm ready it's our second annual eagles giants raw nerve episode and it, oh my god if they lose this is good that's gonna be the most miserable 45 minutes of podcasting ever but it'll be entertaining that's for sure <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong uh all right so we'll see you tomorrow uh, in the meantime, if you haven't done so already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any additional time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, our sister show. Uh, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.